More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us as we roll through the Thursday edition of the program. Joined now by, this is a good title, I think, filmmaker, author, and host of the Dinesh D'Souza podcast. He is Dinesh D'Souza. What do you like more, the title filmmaker or author? <laughs> well, you know, to be honest, I've been I've been an author for almost 30 years. My first book came out in 1991. It actually popularized the phrase political correctness. It was called illiberal education. I've written, I don't know, 17, 18 books, but I only got into movies in 2012 when I made my first film on Obama called Obama's America, 2016 Obama's America. And I've done five films since then. So I really like both, but I think author has been my defining kind of title for most of my career. Well, we appreciate you joining us. I want to start off with this question. Does COVID madness ever end? You've seen a lot of different storylines in your career, as you said, since you wrote that first book back in 1991. Trends come and go. It doesn't seem like we can escape COVID, will we? Well, I think what you have is um, the real story of COVID is not the epidemic. There is a real virus and there is an epidemic. But how we got the virus, uh, what is the precise nature of this virus? What is the best way to deal with it? Is it really necessary to lock down the whole economy? What I'm talking about is the way in which the epidemic has been politically massaged and manipulated. I mean, even the 2020 election, the way it was handled is inconceivable without COVID. They rigged the rules of the whole election system to build it around COVID and to take advantage of COVID. So that, I think, is the real political story of the virus. Now, Dinesh, we are seeing some efforts right now. It's Buck, by the way. Good to talk to you, my friend. It's been a couple of weeks. Um, I I got to say, this latest eviction moratorium uh, that we're, we were talking about right before you came on, in the face of the fact that there was already a Supreme Court ruling that said the CDC really can't do this, and the Biden administration is just saying, yeah, we're going to do it anyway. And given that they floated out things recently like, 
a national vaccine mandate. They're talking about vaccinating every single active duty member of the United States military. No, you know, no ifs, ands or buts. It feels like these are just trial balloons they're putting out there for even more tyrannical overreach. And I've got to say, I've been surprised at how little there has been mass pushback and mass noncompliance from Americans in a lot of parts of the country that you'd expect something else. Yes, I think it's also striking that we're seeing lawlessness creep into our society in many different ways. I mean, this is not an isolated case. Look at the way in which the Antifa BLM riders is catch and release or $50 fine for burning a church. You know, look at the way in which they let in COVID-infected illegals across the border. So they're trying to tell American citizens, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. They're showing a blatant disregard by keeping the back door open and letting in, by the way, not just Mexicans, they're letting in people from Haiti, from India, people who are coming from Asia to come across the Rio Grande and through the Mexican border. Look at the way they're trying to pack the court. So in case after case, you see that they're quite willing to step aside from established laws and practices just to push their ideological agenda as if daring the American people to push back. How does the pushback come, right? What in your mind, I know we've got the 2022 election, the House can swing, the Senate can swing, but when you've got a power dynamic such as this, we're doing the show right now at the National New York City, and the mayor of New York City came out and said, hey, I'm going to require vaccine passports. It may happen in L.A. now. The creep of freedom uh, being stolen away is continuing 18 months after this all began. What has to happen in order to win and fight back on these battles? Well, first of all, never in the history of the world have people, the ordinary citizen on their own, come marching out and organized a revolution. That's never occurred. Even the American Revolution, when you think about it, was organized by a group of elites who basically called the people to action. What we're seeing now, I think, is a massive failure of leadership. There's a huge vacuum. Obviously, Trump had filled that vacuum before, but now, apart from issuing a periodic statement, Trump is largely silent. Now, there are Republican leaders and individuals states like DeSantis and here in Texas, for example. But on the national level, there is a screaming need for leaders who say, this is what we need to do. This is what we're demanding and calling the people to do. And then the people will respond, but they won't respond without the call. We're speaking to Dinesh D'Souza, filmmaker, podcaster and author. Check out the Dinesh D'Souza podcast. He does excellent analysis uh, there. You should go check it and subscribe. Dinesh, um, we had a tea party when I first got into doing this instead of doing stuff for uh, the CIA 10 years ago. The tea party came about because of the concerns over massive government spending. And we did have a mass movement. Why do you, do you think that there's room for something like that now? It feels to me like conservatism is standing by and ready to assert itself. And I would have thought the spark would have already happened. Uh, is this just is it incumbent upon all of us and those who are listening? I mean, we've got people listening in all 50 states right now across the country. Do we need a grassroots movement to get this stuff to stop? And how do we get there? 
Well, I think that the, someone has to strike the match in all these cases. Now, a classic example is look at these January 6th defendants, the way in which the Biden administration is literally brutalizing these families, and the GOP is basically silent. Uh, so yesterday, my wife Debbie and I decided to write a $100,000 check to support the family fund of the January 6th defendants. Why? Well, partly we want to help, but the only reason I'm mentioning it publicly is I want to encourage other people to step in. This is the case where you've got all these people that are being left on the field. Their own party has kind of abandoned them. Even the good guys on our side are largely silent. And the abuse of law and the way they're being treated, I mean, if you just contrast the January 6th families with, say, the Antifa and BLM families, I mean, you'd have to conclude that there's really no equal justice under the law in this country. It, it is kind of wild to think about the way that, and, and, and frankly, many of these defendants are starting to make those arguments, right, of prosecutorial misconduct in the way that they are dismissing charges against, let's say, the Portland uh, courthouse, all of the different uh, arrests that went on, even involving federal-related buildings, and comparing them to what happened on January 6th. There's no rhyme or reason other than politics to justify the dichotomy of treatment there, right? And, and I imagine that's one reason you gave the money to help in the, in the defense. Yeah, and it, I think, goes more than that, because I think what's happening is the Biden administration wants to create a larger narrative. They want January 6th to go down in history as, as, the, as the next 9-11. Now, how can you do that when the only person deliberately killed was a Trump supporter, Ashley Babbitt? It's very hard to do. So they're relying on a massive coordinated network of propaganda to put out this narrative, but they've got to brutalize the families by acting as if they're going after bin Laden types when you're actually going after some plumber who took time off work to go to Washington because he was very concerned about his country. The doors of the Capitol were open there were police walking around they didn't tell anyone to leave these guys are taking photos and the cops are posing in the photos and then the guy the fbi hunts this guy down with helicopters people outside his door guns drawn and now the guy's facing the destruction of his life dinesh it's stunning to see the disparity in what i call the treatment of the so-called insurrection and the other insurrection that happened for not just days but weeks and even months of 2020 with an entire police station burned down to the ground in Minneapolis, multiple attempts to burn down a federal courthouse in Portland, officers attacked with bricks, with batons, with bats, feces, urine thrown at them, lasers deliberately shined in their eyes to intentionally try to blind them permanently. I haven't seen anybody held for six months in solitary on any of those charges, and I think the American people have to start to ask, at what point do we recognize that the what we had called the deep state within the apparatus of the federal government under the Trump administration is now essentially running the federal government. The deep state is the state. Absolutely. I think another question that we will not expect to be answered by Pelosi's task force is this. To what degree did the FBI instigate the storming of the Capitol? I'm not just talking about the FBI infiltrating groups like the Oath Keepers and the Three Percenters and then watching to see what they did. But to what degree did the FBI actually light the fuel that said, let's do this. We'll provide the logistics. We'll show you which doors are open. These questions need to be asked. Why? Because this is exactly what the FBI did not very long previously in the Whitmer kidnapping plot. They were actually very involved in bringing that plot to fruition and there's some question whether that plot would even have occurred without the fbi basically saying let's do it the one part of this we know dinesh is that there will not be 
an honest review of security on January 6th. It's just going to be a lot of theatrics and waving the so-called bloody shirt, in a sense, to try to make it seem like all Trump supporters share in the guilt. We've just got about a minute, Dinesh, but I want to know, do you feel like this Biden administration is increasingly weakened and that we're setting up for a conservative reversal here? Or do you feel like it's cornered, lashing out, and therefore even more dangerous when it comes to authoritarian and and tyrannical actions? I think that the Biden administration has essentially started ripping out the guardrails of society. It's almost as if they're daring uh, the American people to do what they can. It's almost as if they're saying, listen, you can fight back, but we've already thought of that. We'll get you kicked off social media. We'll get you fired from your job. So we've got the system fully under control, fully locked down, you might say, politically. Uh, But I think, yes, if you're asking me, is there a massive anxiety about what they're doing and increasing awareness that some Something is deeply wrong in this country. Uh, a lot of buyer's remorse for independents who might have voted for Biden. I absolutely think so. And yes, I do think it will manifest itself next year. Dinesh, we appreciate you coming on, my man. Uh, filmmaker, author, and a host of the Dinesh D'Souza podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. My pleasure. Uh, let's talk about uh, what was said here. They gave me my life back, my freedom back, not just for myself, but for my family. That is what a catastrophically injured veteran said, talking about the Tunnels to Towers Foundation. To mark 20 years since 9-11, the foundation's honoring heroes with 200 mortgage-free homes. For Gold Star and fallen first responder families with young kids and for veterans and first responders with catastrophic injuries, these homes bring hope and improve lives, help Tunnel to Towers support even more heroes and families in need, by donating $11 a month at T2T.org. Your generosity also helps commemorate 9-11. Remarkable acts of remembrance like the Foundation's Never Forget Walk, a more than 500-mile journey through six states in 42 days, ending at ground zero on 9-11. Symbolic towers of light at two national memorials and ceremonies to read aloud the names of people killed by 9-11 illness and in our nation's response to 9-11, the war on terror. Never forget, donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Just $11 a month, my friends. Tunnel to Towers Foundation now. Go to this website, T2T.org. Humbled to walk in the footsteps of a legend, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of 
Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Buck here in NYC with Clay in the middle of the mask madness, the vaccine passport looming catastrophe, in my opinion. And there's going to be mask battles. That much is for sure. And if you want to see one of the favorite tactics of leftists out there is to either make up a conversation with their children. They do this on Twitter. They'll say, my nine-year-old said that the Republicans' refusal to go along with the change in the filibuster. It's like, I'm pretty sure your nine-year-old did not say that, blue check writer for the Washington Post. But they also like to use children to make their political points. And here's an example of that. It's a a 12-year-old reading a letter. This was put on CNN. I would like to encourage the requirement of masks at school in Duval County. I'm so worried that if masks are not required, my brother could go to school one day and the next be dying in the hospital. At school, I wear two masks because I want to make sure I don't get sick. It's okay to have your own opinions. It's like you can think what you want to think, but also these masks have proven that they are saving that they are saving people. So I just want to be very clear here, Clay, because Democrats in the left, because they're shameless and have no principles, they love to use children as political landmines in a sense, right? They they push them forward to carry the message. And when you start to criticize the message, they say, why are you criticizing the children? I mean, they did that with Greta Thunberg, if you remember, yes. the 16-year-old who was, look, kids should not should not be used as political props in this way. The adults who do so are odious cnn putting them on tv is appalling i'm not criticizing children i'm criticizing adults who think that i should give a you know what what a 12 year old thinks of mass policy clay but you're actually dealing with mass policy when it comes to kids right now yeah that those were kids by the way jacksonville florida where ron desantis and kids going back my kids return to school tomorrow so i have a first grader and i have a fifth grader Two elementary school kids. Well, I know some of you out there are like, what? You're checking your phones right now. You're like, wait a minute. It's going to be August 6th. Yeah, we start early uh, in many different parts of the South. We get out early. They got out in May, uh, early May, relatively speaking. And my kids are going back. And I'll be walking them to school tomorrow. And I'm genuinely curious to see. There's no mask mandate in the public school where my kids are going. 
but in Nashville, which is where I live, a little bit north of where we are now, they do have mask mandates at some schools. And so I know there are a lot of parents out there right now, and and you, I've hinted at this before, Buck, because I think it's going to turn into a monster battle to see what parents, because last year, a lot of parents, I'll put myself in this category, Buck, we were just excited to have our kids in school. And so they had to wear masks, but it was like all, they got out in March, I, it had been months. I, we've talked about it, yeah. Lululemon already. Can I just, uh, Clay, I worry. I've been so disappointed at how much most of America just has been willing to go along with here. And I'm with you in that. I want to see angry moms out there, but I think a lot of them, even in places, they're just going to say, oh, it's just a mask. This is what ends up, it's just this thing. I don't know if people are angry enough over this. They're I, much angrier about vaccine mandates than they are mask mandates. Yeah, and but I think there's something about the kids because we know the data. And I think we're going to talk, by the way, to Alex Berenson in the third hour. He's going to be in studio with us here in uh, in New York. And I'm excited to talk with him about this. But the data is all so clear that kids, you know, despite what that 12-year-old saying uh, that CNN was falling in love with. Is, isn't that appalling, though, by the way? Can we just for a yeah. second, like CNN puts 12-year-olds making the case that they want made on TV. What are we supposed to do with that? How about a 5-year-old CNN? Do you want to have a kid that can't even read and write yet telling us what should happen with the? But you know what the answer is? You and I right now, there are people that probably, you know, media matters, whatever. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton trashing children over mask (laughs) mandates. That's what they love to do. Yeah, well, I'm sure that headline will exist somewhere. But I I do think that there are, because again, last year it was like, hey, I just want my kids to be in school. This year, I want my kids to be in school and I want everything to be 100% normal. I mean, because that's what the science tells me should be the case. Teachers, if you're terrified, get the vaccine. Kids are not primary spreaders. The the virus never has spread uh, abundantly through kids. That's one of the good things about the data that it tells us about COVID since last year. And we know that teachers aren't under particular risk. But I think there are a lot of parents like me who are going to be taking their kids to school in the next few days, and I'm going to be doing it tomorrow, that are genuinely curious to see, does it feel normal again, or are we still kind of under the scope and the ambit and the and the control of this mask policing nonsense. I think it's a really fascinating position as we move forward. In the meantime, Paul in Minnesota wanted to say, I'm 63 years old. I love to play softball, but I've been very limited in running the bases. After taking Relief Factor for about a month, the pain in my knee is almost gone. I'm now able to run the bases without pain, which I wasn't able to do last year. I even beat out a throw to first after hitting a hard grounder. Relief Factor game changer for him i know it's been a game changer for buck your mom and dad for my wife they work out hard and they now get way more out of their workouts because relief factor is helping to alleviate that post-workout pain it's 100 drug free takes care of joint pain knee hip back neck and shoulder pain created by doctors based on research helps your body reduce pain and inflammation associated with aging exercise and everyday living Hundreds of thousands of people have signed up, and you can join the more than half a million and order the three-week quick start for only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief 1995 three-week quick start for you, relieffactor.com, 800 for relief listening to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network. Thank you.
Thanks for being here with us on the Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Buck, and here with me in NYC, in our studio in Midtown Manhattan, is the one and only Clay Travis. And wherever Clay goes, it seems the specter <laughs> of COVID authoritarianism it's crazy. I'm looms. being stalked. Just, man. you know, for those of you who are living in, like, Dallas or something, just wait a few weeks before you invite Clay to come give you a big speech or something there, because all of a sudden the mask mandates may be happening. And and we have uh, some breaking news on on that for you uh, coming out of Nashville. But but first, an argument that doesn't seem to get made very much with all of this is: at what point do we just say people have made their decisions and that's it? Right? At what point can we just say you've had a chance to get vaccinated? If you don't want to get vaccinated, that's fine. Uh, Clay and I, Clay and I are not vaccinated. So, you know, that's that's it. And you sort of deal with it as you can, because anybody that has a problem with that, they should be fine because they are vaccinated. That's right. Here is Governor Spencer Cox of Utah. The CDC is asking all of you who are vaccinated uh, to take one for the team once again to protect people who are not vaccinated but who have the opportunity to do so. Also, I'm, I'm guessing that the Venn diagram of people who um, are vaccinated or unvaccinated and willing to wear a mask is very, very slim, if at all. And so I'm grateful that there are people who are willing to sacrifice and wear masks again to protect the unvaccinated. I got to be honest with you. I don't know if I'm one of those people. Um, I'm really tired. I'm really done with it. And uh, I, I'm not really excited to have to sacrifice um, to protect someone who doesn't seem to care. Yeah, this Clay, this is like, do we live in a free society or yeah. not? That's where we are, because because freedom actually means the freedom to choose something that maybe doesn't work out for you and make bad decisions. Look, every day people make awful decisions. If you're walking by on the street and you see a morbidly obese person and they're eating a big bag of M&Ms, you don't knock the M&Ms out of their hand and be like, oh my God, how dare you? People make choices for their health that are poor. That's part of what freedom allows. And so I, I, I don't like the full way that the governor of Utah said it there, Spencer Cox. I think the better argument is the one that you and I have made, and I just want to keep making this. If you want to be vaccinated, good for you, the data reflects that you will be safer, certainly if you were over the age of 65. And that's why, Buck, 90% of people who are 65 or older, they looked at the data and they made a rational decision. They have at least one shot. 70% now of people who are 18 and up have at least one shot. But then there are people like you and me who have already had COVID. And if you talk to many doctors about COVID immunity, uh, natural immunity versus vaccinated immunity. Natural immunity can, in many cases, and in case of many viruses, be safer. And so we can make rational decisions for us like everyone out there should make rational decisions as well. I think the political argument to make at this point in time is, look, we're encouraging everybody to make good, healthy decisions, but we're not going to require everybody to wear masks to try to protect people who want to make the choice otherwise. And by the way, this also means I don't think that the media should be covering every single person who gets sick and has said before, hey, I'm not really afraid of COVID. That sucks. But it's not like it, it, there's so much moral lecturing going on here. To me, 
at some point, rational adults have to be given the opportunity to make rational adult decisions, and we just have to move on. I and think, I've been there for a long time, and I know you have too. I think we're also at a point where the people who have been willing to do things that now are obviously very either just completely silly and idiotic or almost worthless need to have some feeling of, well, I'm right on this one. You know, you have to think of if you've been double masking, if you as people in my building where I live here in New York City, I will never forget the first time I saw it. It happened a few times. We're wearing a full head to toe hazmat suit to go outside. And they were probably 30 the, the couple Zero that I saw statistical doing this. risk and they're wearing hazmat and suits. they're wearing hazmat suits. I mean, if you're those kind, if you were wiping down your groceries with Lysol because Dr. Fauci told you to, which he did, by the way. Now, at least you say, well, I was listening to them, but I'm not like those dumb vax deniers who live in the rural areas. Forget about the communities in New York yes. and in Los Angeles and everywhere else that have chosen not to vaccinate and forget about Clay and Buck who are sitting here as two unvaccinated guys although they're twisting my arm and they're going to break it pretty soon it seems on getting vaccinated or not Clay things that would have sounded like dystopian fear-mongering a year ago when it comes to what the Democrats want to do about all this stuff are now being talked about as though it is an imperative, not even just something that we should consider an imperative. You have the United States military about to be told every single person must get the vaccination. There was an editorial, we mentioned it yesterday, and they had to change the title because the title was initially put them on the no-fly list. Yes. Put the unvaccinated you, like you're a on the no-fly like list. Osama That's bin right. Laden if In, you instead don't have of, the vaccine. Instead of standing up and you know yelling, you know, I have a suicide vest on or something, you'd stand up and say, I am unvaccinated. I mean, that was the big fear that they were going to have of somebody on a plane. Um, and here we are talking about this because people in power actually want to do these things, and we have been warning and warning and warning because the incrementalism is obvious the second you understand the mindset of the left. It's just two weeks, just two masks, just do whatever we say. Until we finally say no, it doesn't stop. 18 week, uh, eighteen months now since two weeks to stop the spread. And by the way, last segment we were talking about how there are different decisions that are being made on a county-by-county county basis as it pertains to masks. My hometown, I was a public school kid, K-12 through in Nashville, Tennessee. While we've been on the air, the school board voted 8-1 to to require all students to wear masks. And so I think what you're going to see, Buck, is major battles developing over masks, which, by the way, have been proven. I mean, so disappointing. That doesn't work. I got told told yesterday in New York City in a restaurant again. And remember how I said I was going to make people tell me? Yes. And they called me beforehand, and I was like, they're not, they can't be serious. They said, we have a policy where you have to wear a mask when in. you walk in, but that's it. So so really, I just want to know, it's it's really very much like genuflecting now in church. Yes. It's really it's just it's a good analogy. bending the knee to the authority, not the you know celestial relationship with, with Jesus Christ, your Lord authority, uh, which you do when you genuflect. I'm talking about genuflecting to the government authority here or just kind of the apparatus of COVID control because it is actually impossible to make an argument that there is any epidemiological or health benefit whatsoever from doing this. And yet yesterday in my hometown, in my own city, I was told, excuse me, sir, we're already having the conversation. 
face to face. Excuse me, sir. Can you put a mask? Then I had to do the whole, I don't have a mask. Can you give me? Oh, okay. Now I'll put it on for you. People that think this is normal either want to control you beyond any reason. That's a lot of them. Or they actually are suffering from an anxiety-induced mental illness. There's no third option. Just think about, I'm when we finish the show today, I'm going to back to the airport, right? I'm going out to uh, the airport. I will be able, I'll have to put a mask on in order to enter into the airport. I will be, as I walk down the, uh, the, the, the concourse there, if I decide that I want to stop and have a beer buck, I can stop and have a beer, take my mask off, and be in a crowded bar in the New York City airport. If I decide that I want to eat, I can stop, I can take my mask off. Several of these bars, you know, when you're walking down the concourse, they have bars that look out into the concourse where, like, you can reach out and touch somebody who's walking by. You can sit there for hours if you wanted to, if you had a long layover, drink, eat as much as you want. Permissible. The minute that you are moving and you're not drinking or eating something, you have to have a mask on. What sense can that possibly make? From the very beginning of this, stretching back to when I had to move my... I was doing the radio show in New York, down in Tribeca, down in lower Manhattan. Had to just, in 24 hours, set up a home studio and do this whole thing, and everything was locked down. And New York, Clay, I was sitting at my at my desk doing radio as the hospital ship. I could see it right from my window. The hospital ship went up the Hudson because we were going to be overflowing. I had friends next to Central Park where they where they lived sending me photos of the field hospitals, right? There was all yes. this panic. But from the very beginning, I had a concern and tried to spread the word as far and wide as possible about the the challenge of conditioning people to just obey. And now my worry is that, as we see, we're at the end of this process here of the actual pandemic. The people who have been pushing for all these restrictions and all these demands and all these commands are looking to use this for other things. They have a cowed and obedient populace that is so now conditioned, trained, really, Pavlovian style to do whatever they're I mean, if the government can convince you that you have to or even if it's not the government, but it really is a function of government brainwashing that that you're safer by putting a mask on when you walk up to somebody, and then you sit down and you have it off the whole time. They can convince you of anything, men or women, that, you know, abortion is just I, a choice. I, I, I mean, with, they can convince you of anything. I'm with you in that. What's scary about this is the lack of organized pushback. Europe. There are a lot of organized pushbacks against the ridiculous rules. We're not seeing that in the United States. Scary. We're going to come in here in just a little bit with our friend uh, Alex Berenson, who has been on the forefront. This guy takes more heat than anybody else on this one and has been very was very influential in a lot of the thinking of the Trump administration. And gosh, do I wish we had you know Trump and Dr. Atlas and some of the people who were seeing this more favorable. I'll never forget, Clay, Trump Trump told me in the Oval last May, we will never do another lockdown. And now it's Biden. So now that doesn't count. And I think Biden wants a lockdown. They're setting the table for it. They really are. I'm worried about it. But one of the things we got to talk about right now is how much money the federal government is spending. It's completely out of control. This is a function of math, right? You know they're spending too much money. We're going to be at $30 trillion of debt here soon. And if you wait until inflation starts getting to five, seven, maybe 10 percent, the price of gold's already going to have moved dramatically because everyone's going to know, oh, my gosh, I've got to move some of my assets into this historic store of value. Do you want to wait 
Or do you want to take action today to diversify, protect your assets, protect the money in your bank account and your retirement with real gold and silver? You need to get it from my partners at the Oxford Gold Group. They have precious metals that can be delivered right to your home. I've had this process myself. I've gone through it. They sent it to my home, and I keep real gold and silver in a safe at home because that's what you need to do to be prepared for this uncertain future. Buying gold and silver is not complicated if you go with the right people. Call my friends at the Oxford Gold Group now. Don't wait till the price of gold shoots up because the dollar is getting hit with terrible inflation. You know what's coming. Take action today. Call them at 833-404-GOLD. That's the Oxford Gold Group. Learn how you can have real gold in your IRA or 401k. Have it delivered right to your door as well. 833-404-GOLD. That's 833-404-G-O-L-D. And lo and behold, every warning that I mentioned is now being echoed. Yep. From the DNA of America's anchorman, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton, inspired by Rush on the EIB Network. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please get vaccinated. These folks back there have lost their mind. You've lost your minds. You are the ultimate knuckleheads, and because of what you are saying and standing for, 
People are losing their life. People are losing their life, and you have to know that. Look in the mirror. Welcome back to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Clay, that was the governor of New Jersey. just want to play that because here's a guy full of sanctimony yelling at some people that don't agree with his vaccine stuff. New Jersey has... The worst death rate per capita, actually, in the entire United States. Worse I think than it's New almost York. in the world. One uh, of the I worst. Mean, one of the in, worst on in the, the world. It was last year. New Jersey. I mean, people focused on New York, but if you looked at the data in the United States, New Jersey was worse. And for a while, now I think maybe some of the other countries have caught since on a per capita basis. I think, but New Jersey could not have done any worse responding to COVID than what they did. And if you. Don't want to listen to everything that Governor Murphy, who is speaking of a knucklehead, I mean, this guy is an imbecile, then you're a bad person. I mean, this is it's like we're not supposed to pay attention to what these guys have said all along and all the declarations and all the haranguing people and telling everybody about if you don't do this, you know, remember Cuomo, Cuomo straight up saying you're going to you're going to kill people's grandparents unless you do what we say, Yes, which included wiping down groceries remember when by the way and the irony of cuomo saying that who killed more people's grandparents with his awful decisions than anybody in the entire country and remember hand washing oh hand washing was our key to getting past this in the beginning there were reminders everywhere you'd go wash your hands like 20 times a day i mean there are people who are probably scraping the skin off their fingers using you know abrasives because they're being told oh and then we find out it's actually aerosolized and basically not None not, of that not coming from surfaces at all but if you question anything they they just completely ignore what's actually happening with the history i mean look murphy murphy is an imbecile the only advantage that he's had is that cuomo is such a disaster on so many fronts that the governor of New Jersey looks like he's not necessary. He's not the worst governor in America because of Cuomo. That's basically what he's got going. And I do think, you know, with all this panic, and I understand what I call fear porn, right? All of the terror, all of the COVID variant, Delta variant discussion, it's kind of worth pointing out that the number of deaths that are occurring in the United States right now from COVID are still, and again, it's with COVID. I think that's a significant factor, right? Because unfortunately, the people who are the most susceptible, no matter what, from the get-go, have been elderly. They have been people with immune issues already. They have been people with multiple comorbidities. But even with all the attention that COVID is getting right now, we are still talking about COVID being a relatively low-down-the-list cause of death basically since the vaccines became widely distributed. You get, right? you're, you're losing. I mean, I'm looking at the New York Times figures right now, and you are you have 410. as of aver- The average as of August 4th is 410 people a day dying from COVID. And again, now, I would say with COVID, this right? Is, because right, testing I mean, positive, there are a variety of different things. But, there, when, but- you, when you look at what that actually means comparatively to other forms of mortality that we just accept in day-to-day life... I mean, at some point here, it feels like there have been a couple of very broad, fundamental misconceptions about how about how reality works and the left has embraced them. One, that the government can really protect you. And two, that we can conquer mortality in some ways. Like if only we all act together collectively and do everything, there are always going to be diseases out there that unfortunately take our loved ones. There's going to be heart yes. disease. There's going to be cancer. There are going to be these things. And so we all thought we were in this place where we were supposed to get it to 
what would be considered a number that society can, with sadness, but understanding, this is the way it's going to be. We're at those numbers, Clay. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I get it to zero. And I'm showing you right now. I mean, this is the death chart, right? Like, it has barely moved at all for months, and we can't get COVID ever to zero. We're going to have a big discussion about this with Alex Berenson, who is coming in. I think yeah. he may be banned off Twitter. This may be the only place you can actually hear him. Sp- I'm not sure what the rules are. Yeah, I mean, are. He, he is, in some ways, the most controversial voice on COVID since the beginning of the pandemic, but... We both love interviewing them. It's going to be spicy. We're going to push. We're going to get answers. We're going to make sure we speak the truth. That's all coming up here on the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. You're listening to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 